turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. It's what we'll read first as a congregation. You ever had anybody ever give you any real good advice before? Have you ever learned anything by watching someone else's life? And you say, wow, I don't think I'm going to do that. Or, wow, that was a great idea. I think I'm, you can learn a lot by watching other people, can't you? Myself, I grew up in a house, as I've said before, you know me, most all of you know me here, that I grew up in a house with four sisters, and I was the youngest, and I was the only boy. You learn a lot from watching other people. You learn what to do, what not to do, and eventually how not to get caught. Can I get an amen? I remember watching my sisters fight and argue with my parents. Uh, of course, not Pastor Carla. Um, that's not true. Uh, but I, I watched them fight and argue with my parents. And multiple times I sit back and I thought, if you would just shut your mouth, you wouldn't be in so much trouble. Just be quiet. And, and so I learned to be quiet. I learned to be uh, passive and quiet because I knew that if I opened my mouth and made a stink, that I was going to get caught and I wouldn't get to do what I wanted to do. Amen? Everybody got that figured out? We know how that works. Why? Because we have observed someone else and have watched them and saw how they reacted to a situation, whether it be good, whether it be bad. Now in my life, what that did to me was, is it caused me to observe church people. Caused me to learn how to look like a Christian. Caused me to learn how to put on the face in a church service or inside the walls of a church and outside of the walls live a totally different life. I learned by watching other people that I could put on the face and not cause a fuss and not cause an issue and get by with things. That's called hypocrisy, okay? So this morning I want to encourage us today and encourage myself because that drove me onto a path of of, of, of roller coaster spirituality. It drove me on a path into a roller coaster mentality of, of, of God, I do want to live with for you, uh, but then I didn't want to offend somebody else and I didn't want to put myself out there and be embarrassed and made fun of other people. So it would cause me to live this spiritual roller coaster that was like this. One day is for Jesus, the next day is for me, and uh, the next day is for me, and the next day is for me, and the next day is for me, but the next day is for Jesus. And, and, and it's not what God has called us to do. How many of us want to live an overcoming Christian life? Good. I'm glad most everybody in the room feels that way. Or otherwise you wouldn't be here, right? It's important for us to understand that. And so this morning I want us to learn some things from Abraham. I want to learn some things from Abraham that is, is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. Five things. Everybody say five. Five-minute sermon this morning, five things. One minute per point. It's not possible. I'm going, to, I'm going to read this whole passage of Scripture first, and then we'll come back and break it down a verse at a time. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. 
By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking, for a, looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God not ashamed, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, who had received the promises, was about to sacrifice this one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. That's a lot of stuff to look at this morning, but I want to begin with with number one. Obey God even when you don't understand. How do I live an overcoming Christian life, Pastor Bob? How is it that I become... Solid, stable, not on the roller coaster of faith. What is it? What is it that I must do? You must obey God even when you don't understand. Even when nothing makes sense, even when you don't know where you're going, bless God, obey God. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By every measurement, by every uh, observation, Abraham was a loser. By every measure of it, we could look and and give an account of what, what Abraham's life looked like. His life to this point was this. He was married, but he lived with his father. <laughs> I won't go there. His father was a vagabond who had a place to go but never got there. His wife was barren in a time when having a male son showed power and the blessing of God on a man's family. This was a big deal. He was viewed as stricken by God, unable to reproduce, unable to have children. And so at this time, he was judged by that. He was viewed as a second-class citizen. His brother dies... And because his brother dies, he's got to take care of his nephew Lot. By every assumption and by every natural way of looking into Abraham's life, you don't see at this point a very successful person. How many of us know that sometimes when when you're doing the same old thing and, and it's the same old process all the time and God speaks to you and you can't maybe figure out what the end looks like? Listen, obey God. Abraham obeyed God. Abraham could have, could have felt bad for himself. He could have blamed God, but he didn't. In Genesis 12, chapter, uh, chapter 1, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. 
God gave a promise and didn't tell him what he was going to do, where he was going to end up. He didn't have a zip code. He didn't have an address. God said, go. I just want you to go to this place. And if you get there, when you get there, I want you to understand that that place is going to be your inheritance. That is what I have for you. And Abram, how many of us know, how many of us, if we were told to go somewhere right now, we probably would be confused and upset if we were told to go someplace that we didn't know where we were going. Now, if we go on vacation back in the old days, the good old days, you want to know how I learned how to read a map? Because we'd go on vacation, and, and while Dad's driving to Florida, even though he knew the way, he'd make me map out the whole way to Florida. And I'd have to sit there and read and tell him when the next changes were, and he'd make me feel like really special because I was able to catch the next change. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, you got to get on, on penny rile, Dad. Okay. We knew where we were going. We had a destination. Abraham was just told to go. He didn't have property there. He didn't have land there. When he got there, he didn't know what he was going to find, but he just said, go and do it. Listen, sometimes God will tell us to do things that don't make sense. Obey God. Maybe your life doesn't look like it's all that it should be. Maybe some people are on the outside looking in and judging you for different things. It doesn't give you a right to stop obeying God. Don't turn with an attitude and blame God for all of the mess or all the trouble or all the trials that have come on me. Oh God, all this stuff that's happened, I haven't had any hand in. And oh, woe is me. I can't help it that this person did this. And oh God, this person. It doesn't give us an opportunity or a reason or a license to stop obeying God. I don't care how messed up your home life is. I don't care how messed up as a teenager, as a kid in your home, how bad mom and dad are unreasonable and cruel and mean and harsh. doesn't give you reason to disobey God. As a married couple in a home, just because one spouse is a believer and the other one isn't doesn't mean you can get frustrated and stop obeying God. Just because you're single and nobody, that right one hasn't come along yet, doesn't give you a right to stop obeying God. The best and most important thing we can do is obey the word of the Lord. Even when it doesn't make sense. God tells me that I can never tell a lie, then don't tell a lie. God tells me not to curse, then don't curse. God tells me not to judge, then don't judge. Listen, obey the Lord. If you will do what He's telling you to do, this journey that He's called us on in faith, we don't know what it all has in store for us. He calls us to salvation. He doesn't tell us what's going to happen next week or a month down the road. He doesn't tell us exactly what is going to happen. All He says is, is there's a place that I'm going to prepare for you. And then if you will obey me, you'll end up there someday. But what's between point A and point B? I don't know. But whatever happens from point A to point B doesn't give us an excuse to disobey God, does it? We obey the Lord. So how do I, how do I remain in an attitude of steadfast, steady obedience, a, a faithful Christian walk to God? Number one, we obey the Lord. Secondly, we don't settle for second best. This is a big one. Verse 9. By faith... He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham went further than his father. His father was supposed to go here. If you look back at Genesis 11, verse 31, if you're really fast with your Bible, Terah took his son 
Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son uh, Abram, and the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Verse 32, Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. He died at a place between where he started and where he should have finished. Hear what I'm saying to you this morning. His father, look at what he says. He says, I will bless you. He says, go here. Do this. Where is he going? Go to Canaan. And he didn't go. He got part of the way there and he said, you know what? I settled. He said, I settled and I'm going to stop here. This is good enough, good enough for me. I know God has promises for me over there, but right now this is good enough. I'm in a good place. I really don't feel like being pushed further. I don't feel like being challenged further. This is good enough for me. I think I'll stay right here. And he died there. Listen, how is it that we can stay consistent? How is it that we can have a consistent, faithful walk with Christ? We do it by not settling for second best. In other words, not finding a place of complacency. Not finding a place of complacent religion that says, this is comfortable, this is good enough, this is as far as I want to go. Listen, God's not called you to Covington, Indiana alone to be in this church at this time, at this day, and that's comfortable enough. There's a place He's taking you. He wants to grow you beyond where your father was. Abraham went further than his father did. Some of the best mentors in my life have been people that have said, you know what I I see in you? I don't want you to be as good as me. I want you to be better than me. Some of the best mentors in people in my life that have spoken into my life that I've looked up to and I've honored and revered, they have said, I don't want you to be as good as me. I want you to be better than me. How many times have we said that about our own children? I don't want you to just settle for where I am. I want you to do better than what I'm doing. Abraham did. He went further. He said, you know what? I'm not going to settle for a partial blessing of God. I'm going to go all the way to Canaan. And he did it with his eyes closed. He did it by a faith that said, I may not know where I'm going to end up. Whatever it was that scared my father is not going to cause me to turn back or to be afraid. I'm going to move forward. Israel dealt with this mentality in the wilderness. They rejected God and they died in the wilderness because they did not want to go all the way into Canaan because they were afraid of what might lie ahead. Listen, there are going to be a lot of things in your faith and in your walk with Christ that you may not be 100% sure about what lies ahead. And it may scare you a little bit, but sometimes... Faith that causes a little bit of fear in us is good for us. Faith that pushes us out of our comfort zone is good for us and it wakes us up a little bit. Canaan represents the promise of God. We need to settle into the promise of salvation. Abraham set up camp not knowing how God was going to fulfill his purpose. We must accept salvation by faith. We don't need to know everything. We just need to surrender to God and give our lives to dwell within His promises. We have to continue and we have to obey. Abraham didn't even have a child yet. He wasn't a great nation yet. He wasn't a a blessing to all nations yet. He was not going to give up until God brought him into what it was that He had promised for him. Listen, God is faithful. And if He's given you promises... 
Hold on to them. Must be the snow. Everybody's peeing or something. I don't know. <laughs> In and out all the time. It's like I've, there, on any other Sunday, there's never this much activity, but everybody's heads go, eh? <laughs> You ought to see yourselves from up here. It's funny. When, when Devin comes up at the end of the service and, and everybody goes, they, like they're focused, and then Devin stands up and they go, and they watch him walk all the way up. It's hilarious, actually. I stand here talking, and here comes Dustin, and out goes Miranda, and everybody's like. <laughs> it's not the whole church today, so I can get away. It's only the faithful. So, you're not going to leave. You can't leave! You're snowed in! <laughs> Thirdly, <laughs> we'll just move right along. Aren't you glad you came back, Greg and Joyce, for this? God bless your hearts. Wishing you were back in the tropical regions of the Bahamas or something again. <sighs> Verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Listen, obey God, even if it doesn't make sense. Don't settle for second best in your life. Spiritually, Press forward with God. Don't settle for some false religion. Thirdly, look for something real and eternal. God wants to show you something that's real and eternal in this life. Abraham's purpose for coming into the promised land was not for personal gain or prosperity on this earth. The promises God has for you are the things that cannot be built by you. Hear what I'm saying to you. The promises that God has for you is not to inherit things that are built by you. Not things that you accomplish in your own strength or in your own will or with your own finances or anything like that. What God wants to establish in you is something that cannot be purchased with gold, cannot be purchased with anything. It's not anything that's natural. Abraham says, if God's calling me here to this place, then He's calling me to something that's bigger than me. He's calling me to something that I don't have to build. He's calling me to something that is His, not mine. He said, if He's calling me to something, it's not just, it's not just fields. It's not just sheep and goats and herds. All those things are nice and I know how to shepherd and take care of the land. But what I'm looking for is bigger than what I can do. How do I maintain an attitude of the right spiritual walk with Christ of consistency? I obey Him no matter what. Even if I don't fully understand the circumstance, I will obey God. I have to. I don't have a choice. That's what I need to do. And we go through these and we get all the way down here to where now He's looking for a place that He didn't build. He's not settling for anything, and now he's looking for something that he didn't build. So we can't build our salvation. We can't earn our salvation. We can't, we can't purchase our salvation. The, the, we can't buy our way into heaven. The key to heaven is not laced with gold. Amen? It's not there. You cannot get into heaven by some kind of wealth. And I don't care how long Led Zeppelin sings it, that you cannot buy the stairway to heaven. You just can't. 
There's no way you cannot do it. It's not something that you can purchase. It's not something that you can earn. Abraham dwelt inside the promise and he dwelt inside of a promise, but he was inside of a tent. He got to a place to where he wasn't fully satisfied with God. He got to the land, but he wasn't fully satisfied. He said, I'm looking for something real. I'm looking for something that I can't build and I didn't build. How is it that we maintain a steady walk with Christ? In our lives, we don't settle for second best. And we don't settle for something that's man-created, man-driven, man-produced. Because it's not going to give us anything eternal. Which is what I'm speaking on next week. Supposed to speak on this week, but I'm waiting until next week. I want to start a new series today. But I do want us to understand that what God is doing in us and for us and through us is an eternal work. And we are finite, God is infinite. Finite meaning we have a beginning and, and, and we have no end, but we do have a beginning. God is infinite, meaning He never had a beginning and He never has an end. And the work that God wants to do in us is a work that is going to last throughout all eternity. And that's not something you and I can build. Look for something real. Don't settle for something false. Don't settle for some, again, religious, religious behavior that, that we put in our duty and, and until after a while all it seems like is, well, all I do is I go to church and I give money away and church doesn't do anything to me. Why don't I hold on to my money and I can do this instead and not go to church at all? Listen, it's not about church. It's about pursuing something real, a real God. A God that is living, a God that is active, a God that speaks. And you say, Pastor, I get frustrated sometimes because I'm not where I want to be yet. Well, neither was Abraham. Abraham was in the promised land dwelling in tents, and he didn't quite see everything that he needed to see yet, but he had a passion and a drive to seek for what was real because he knew God was faithful. Don't ever give up. Never, never, never give up. Never stop pursuing whatever it is that God has revealed to you today. You may have crossed the border into Canaan land. You may have crossed the border into your salvation. But that is not the end. Continue to press into God. And He's going to continue to pour into you. And you're going to find greater depths of Him. You're never going to figure it out. You're never going to fully understand who God is. Biggest reason why young people, why young adults and people are leaving the church today is because they say, I've heard it all before. What's the point of going? I've heard everything before. I've already heard it before. What's the point of being there? I don't need that. I've already heard it before. Well, that's because people have stopped giving them an opportunity to experience the presence of God. And all they do is teach and say the same things at them over and over again. And they never have to understand anything else because they've heard all of that before. So why do I need church? The reason people are leaving is because they feel like they've heard it all before. They've stopped seeking for something that's real. They've settled for tents. Fourthly, don't let your past predict your future. How am I going to walk in a Christian walk, Pastor Bob, that's consistent? I'm going to obey at all costs. I'm not going to settle for second best. I'm going to look for something that's real and eternal. And don't let your past predict your future. Verse 11, by faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself... 
considered, I'm sorry, considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. I've said it a hundred times, but my most favorite message to teach is the one where I talk about Abraham and Sarah down at the nursing home. They love it. You people sit there like, and you mention Abraham and Sarah, and you mention Sarah being pregnant at 90, they all go, who's pregnant at 90? <laughs> what? <laughs> what you talking about? Who's Sarah? Have you ever felt like God had a greater purpose for you than where you are? You ever felt like, Lord, I'm just stuck in the same old rut and I'm, I'm here doing these things and I know that you've got great plans for me, but they'll never happen. I remember being 30 years old. I remember being 30 years old and, and uh, feeling like I was washed up and I'd, I'd missed God's call in my life. And when you're 30 years old, you're just ancient, you know, and uh, it's past, it's just past due. And God was taking us through an awakening, a revival in our personal lives, and, and the Lord brought me back to my original call. And, I, and I'm sitting here going, God, I don't, man, it's too late, man. I don't have time for Bible college. I don't have time for this. I don't, it's not going to happen. It's just, too, it's just gone. And God spoke these words to me as clear as day. Jesus started his ministry at 30, and it changed the world. Okay. And... Uh, by 32 years old, I was an old youth pastor, a new old youth pastor. I can tell you this much, that in that time period, I knew that there were greater things that God had within me and things that God had called me to that I had wiped off of my agenda because I thought that'll never happen at this point. But God himself is faithful and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you and I could ever dream or imagine. Even to the point of causing a 90-year-old woman with a dead womb to be pregnant with a live baby. Our God is a God of miracles. And so whatever it is in your life, do not give up. A lot of people want to give up on their walk because they think, well, it's past. My time's past. It's impossible. This is not right. This is not going to happen. Well, it's too late for this. I'll just sit around and settle for this. No, no, no. God said, listen, have faith in me. We know what Abraham did. We know that Abraham wasn't completely faithful in what God told him was going to happen, was he? He said, okay, well, all right. Hagar, okay. Ishmael, he's my son. God said, that's not what I was talking about, Abraham. I didn't tell you to go sleep with the servant girl, Abraham. I told you that I'm going to bring forth someone from your own loins to the point to where Sarah was laughing. It will happen. And I want to encourage you. You may feel like I'm dwelling in tents and there is no hope for any future that God has ever spoken into my life. Be patient. Have faith in Him because He's faithful. He's worthy for us to put faith in Him. Amen? He's worthy for us to be able to stop and to look and say, wow, God, it's not something I can build. It's not something I can do, but you can. So we have to not let our past predict our future. Because a lot of times what, happen, what happens is, is we, we judge where we're from 
We judge what family we're part of. We judge what church we're from. We judge what our history has been. We've been too bad for this. We've been too bad for that. There's no way that God could do this in me or through the... Listen, don't let your past dictate what God has established as your future. Don't give up. Lastly, stay focused on the source of the promise rather than the promise itself. Verse 17, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. The hardest thing that Abraham had to go through was realizing that he had to kill his son. His promise of being a great nation, all the promises of God were wrapped up in this adolescent boy. And Abraham had to be tested by God. And God said, take him up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. Abraham did what he did before. He blindly obeyed, didn't he? Early the next morning, the scripture says, early the next morning, he grabbed the boy and he loaded up all the wood and everything and they took off. And the boy's asking, but dad, father, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? The Lord himself will provide the lamb. Again, looking at things that he can't build with his own hands. These are the mentalities of our father of faith. But God said, Abraham, I know that you love your son. I know that you love the promises. And I want to see, actually God already knew the answer. He wanted Abraham to see whether or not he truly loved God above his son or the promises. And we know according to Scripture that it was when he had determined in his heart and at the last moment when he was getting ready to kill the boys when an angel stepped in and said, stop. Why is this significant? Pastor Bob, how, why does this matter to how my consistent walk with Christ? How am I going to live an overcoming consistent walk? I think the tendency a lot of times for Christians, especially in America, is that we get caught up in the gifts of God and we forget about the giver. We exalt the gifts and we forget about the one who gave them to us. We exalt good teaching, we exalt good preachers, we exalt good teachers, we exalt musicians, we exalt good writers, we exalt good people. And we forget it's the giftings of God that is working, not people. We exalt churches, we exalt different groups within the church. I can say this honestly, that every minister that wants to be a genuine minister of the gospel has to come to grips with this question at some point. And our, our superintendent, Pastor Don, has asked this to ministers multiple times. And he's asked it to me personally before. He said, Bob, where would your prayer life, devotional life, and your relationship with Jesus Christ be without your ministry? If it was sacrificed, if it was gone, would you still even be a Christian? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, hopefully the answer is yes. Amen? Amen. They're saying it's our pastor. Dear God, I hope he said yes. (laughs) I hope he said yes. 
Yes. But I, I have to warn you. The blessings of God can be the very thing that can trip us up, up if we're not careful. Because we exalt and appreciate the gift so much that we forget the giver. I remember, remember coming home from trips and bringing Kevin toys. He'd get so excited when I'd come in the room and I would bring, I got him a, a NASCAR, no, it was a Corvette. I was out in Ohio one time, got him this big metal Corvette. It was beautiful. He loved it, rolling around on the floor and playing with it. I remembered that event and many others like it when Jamie Montero was here and he told the story about his kids loving him so much. And he said, I would come home with a prize for my kids everywhere I went and they would get so excited to see me come through the door that pretty soon they started running past him to the suitcase and ripping it open and never speaking to him but only digging through looking for what they could get from him. And after a while he had to say, no, I've got nothing for you. I don't ever want to do that to God. I don't ever want to be the type of person that runs past God to look for what I can get from him. I don't ever want to exalt the gifts above the giver. And that's what the challenge was to Abraham. Would you still love me and obey me and honor me? And and would you even sacrifice this most precious gift that I've given you? All of your promises, all of your dreams, all of your desires, would you lay them on the altar for me? And Abraham said, I would. He passed the test. So how do we live a consistent Christian life? Place nothing above God. Place nothing above God. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what you've been called to or anything else. Don't place it above God. Exalt the giver way above the gift. Appreciate the gifts. Say thank you for the gifts. But we must obey. We mustn't settle for second best. We've got to look for something real and eternal. Don't let your past predict your future. And stay focused on the source. We have the worship team come. We'll just close in prayer this morning. But as a pastor, I don't, I don't want our church to ever be a church that's on an emotional, spiritual roller coaster that's guided by their emotions alone. People have a tendency to, to one day feel really super spiritual and the next day give up and quit and the next day super spiritual and the next day quit. God wants us to walk consistently, amen? And that's the desire of my heart. I know it's the desire of your heart. And this morning we're just going to ask God to help us to do that, amen?